0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care. And as always, I'm your girl, Kansi Washington. And before we dive into today's episode, which I am so excited about, it's going to be a very meaningful conversation with the Jimmy Vaughn on all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. Don't forget to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And share this with a few friends because sharing is caring. And also, take a screenshot of your review you. Send it to me at info at and I will send you a free self-care gift. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at candywashington. Tag me watching and listening to the podcast and I will show you some love and I will tag you back. Don't forget to head over to the show notes and look up my basic girl's guide to self-care, which is all of my favorite goodies and treat yourself. Yeah, those are some of my favorite things. You know, Oprah has her favorite things and so do I. So go in there and pick some up. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to our multi-talented and faceted guest, who is Jimmy Vaughn. So Jimmy Vaughn is a passionate and charismatic disruptor whose transformative approach to challenging biases creates high-performing teams and thriving organizations. A trained professional in human resource development, Jimmy has over a decade of experience working for top global brands in the entertainment industry where he leads company-wide diversity and inclusion strategy. He believes in the ethical responsibility of every decision maker to create an environment where true meteorocracy can exist, which is just based on your actual ability rather than based on maybe like relationships can exist and afford opportunities for all by breaking down barriers that unintentionally limit people based on their identity. Jimmy understands that people are the core of any business and investing in a diverse workforce creates a more resilient company able to adapt and thrive in the changing cultural dynamic of the 21st century and beyond. Jimmy has worked for companies such as the Down Syndrome Association of Los Angeles, Company Three, Deluxe Media, Warner Brothers, Viacom, CBS, NBC Universal, Fox, Nestle, Buna Murray, and 19 Entertainment. So we are in for a treat. So welcome, Jimmy.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Katie. I, like wow. every time I sit I have to sit through that, I'm, I'm like, oh, uh, cringe.
0: No, <laughs> no. okay. <laughs> Well, welcome to Sugar Pills. (laughs) We don't cringe. We celebrate. We celebrate. We celebrate. (laughs) celebrate, All right. We celebrate. I like it. Yes, we don't cringe. We celebrate. Because (laughs) when you celebrate your shine, you give permission for people to join your shine and also shine themselves. Yeah. Two candles make a brighter light.
1: You know what? Um, I love that. Two candles make a brighter light. Two
0: candles make a brighter light. So shine, (laughs) toot your horn. You know, you're doing the thing. All I am saying is, we we rising up.
1: (laughs) We out here, we
0: rising rising up. I love it. Yes, 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 yes. So first tell everyone just a little bit about yourself and then dive into um, diversity, equity and inclusion, you know, what it is and why it matters.
1: All right, so there's a uh, there's there's so much not not so much about me, but as far as like who I am, you know, like you said, I'm Jimmy Vaughn. I've been doing this work for you know about 15 years in in some capacity or another. I've worked in uh, physical production and then you know also in like an HR and various kind of management you know like types of roles, um, and always had a concept of like kind of like the importance of of equity, you know, um, which I think, distinguishing from like diversity and inclusion, equity being about fair treatment. So a lot of times people ask me the question about like, you know, like what does it actually mean? So diversity, this is typically how I break it down, is that you know diversity is a state. It, it's kind of like a state of being. It's an end goal. It's about all of the, you know, different experiences represented in any particular group, right? That's not an action, it's just what is, right? That's the goal, that's the result, that's the goal, is diverse. Um, And then when you talk about equity, equity is about uh, fair treatment, which is why we talk about equity over equality. Equality is treating everybody the same way, equity is treating everybody fairly. You know, we've had conversations about like, you know, standardized testing and things like that. So if if you, if you measured uh, a fish by how well it could you know, climb a tree, that would not be a fair measurement, that would not be equitable. If you did it for a squirrel, absolutely. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you, you wanna make sure that like what you're putting out there and how you're, you know, you're treating individuals is actually fair based off of who they are. Right, and then inclusion is about like investment. It's about a person's involvement. It's about how like you know how much agency they have over decision making and contribution and consideration and all of those types of things. So that's why you hear those three terms a lot of times um, in conjunction because they work very well, you know, like together. It's the fair treatment. It's the you know inclusion, and then ultimately you've got the goal of of of, of diversity. So yeah. that's that's that in a nutshell. And then just about me and kind of like how I got into it was, you know, I am actually from Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, so I was, you know, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I grew up in, in what is now kind of like the epicenter of the shift in the way that we talk about uh, like black lives and, you know, um, just the racial disparities and injustice. and and within like the US and and to a certain extent, you know, globally, Uh, and that has definitely informed, you know, kind of like my experience. So I have consciously, you know, kind of like been aware from a very young age of, you know, like of difference and of, you know, the how certain things impact people differently and different things that are available to people based off of things that they have no control over and I think I've always wanted to make sure that like we were able to kind of minimize uh the impact of that on on others so no matter where I went that kind of always came up as a as a conversation and then I ended up meeting someone who did this as a living uh and I was like wait what whoa that's like a that's a job <laughs> that you <laughs> that you can have. Like what in the yeah. world? And yeah, she had become you know a, a mentor, and um, and I ended up kind of redirecting my career into uh, this thing that I really really loved so much.
0: Yeah. So that's when your your passion met your purpose. Exactly. That was that moment where you were already passionate about it. You already just intrinsically loved doing it, and then you were able to add value to to what you're doing to other people, which is the purpose. Yep. passion is what you love and the purpose is what you give to other people. So I I love that. And I love your breakdown of DEI. Like I'm just gonna raise my hand. I still was kind of confused about it but I love that you broke it down in such a tangible way. You know, just diversity is just normalizing the the playing field, like your workforce, your whatever it is just naturally should be a rainbow and a shade and just normalizing having those type of people Mm-hmm. At that level, and then um, equity, which I love, the difference between equity is treating things fairly rather than just um, equally, and I think Correct. that's a really good distinction. And then inclusion, which I think is really what we should be striving for for, for now, is is including those people at the table and including them in the conversation and including their perspective when it comes to making decisions. 100%. So, yeah, so I love that 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 breakdown. And I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, on the point of inclusion, about, I know you had a seminar, Akino, on making room for yourself at the table. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a, a powerful thing to do. And I think a lot of times, you know, as, you know, maybe minorities, Black or Brown, I think what kind of really stops us from doing that is not having that level of, like, confidence and not having that level of knowingness that we inherently deserve to be there you know yeah. sometimes it's always like oh you have to work twice as hard to get you know what they get so easily but i think we need to reverse that mindset and to more of a no i am here i know i'm worthy and deserving i know i'm enough i know i can do this i don't need to continue to overprove myself Mm-hmm. I still deserve a seat at the table, or you can be like you know, like the Tyler Perrys and the Oprahs and the Tiffany Haddishes, and really just create your own table, <laughs> which I love too. Right. Yeah, so do you want to talk a little bit about um, you know, making room for yourself at the table?
1: Yeah, and 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 I'll I'll, I'll preface it with with saying, you know because because I, I always want to make sure that people understand that when when I talk about making room for yourself at the table, there. this is not an intention of putting the entire responsibility on the individual, mm, right? The, the responsibility, there's, there's responsibility that still lies within, within the systems, mm-hmm. right? There's responsibility that relies within the organization. There's a lot responsibility that like lies within the government and so on and so forth, you know, to be doing their part. Right and doing what they need to do in order to create, um, you know, systems and processes that don't have identity-based barriers embedded within them. Uh, but in the interim, you know, there are things that 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 we, you know, can do as well. And the reason I I like I call that out is because I don't want anybody being like, "See, this is supposed to be what you're doing. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps." No, they are <laughs> very real. Um, you know, barriers that are in existence that yeah. an individual is not able to do anything about. So I wanted to, to make that, you know, kind of like statement prior to jumping into it. But from the, from the individual standpoint, because thankfully in, in, in my experience, I have seen that more people that are in, that are the gatekeepers that are in decision-making kind of positions, there are more, more of them that are just operating out of ignorance than there are operating out of will. Mm-hmm. Right. Will to keep people down or will to keep people, you know, back or, or you know, not give access to uh, the decision-making spaces. I, there are some of those that exist and, and we've got a different approach for those individuals. But the vast majority, I feel, fall somewhere in the space of either just not knowing or not knowing how to, how to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the individuals that you, can, that you can make the most ground, you know, like with. So as an individual, when you're trying to make room for yourself at the table, I, I usually talk about kind of like three things. It's preparation, intention, and awareness,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So preparation is you know really about knowing your stuff, right? Know your own narrative, know your rules, know the, your rights, know the laws, know all of the things. Because in the, in the corporate world or in the, like in the business world, there are actual you know protections like government protections about like certain things and the more that you know about that the more empowered you are to engage and not be afraid of moving forward because a lot of times we're afraid because of the fear of the unknown we don't know is this going to you know single me out is this going to make you know me a target when you know those protections that exist it is you you, you know exactly how to kind of like navigate those spaces or you know a little bit more about how to do it and you know how to do so confidently because you know they're not going to say that because that's in violation of this and if they do I'm gonna call them on it right mm-hmm. like and there that that knowledge is power thing is is is, is real right and it's strong mm-hmm. um, so when you're prepared you also know what it is that you're going after what is it that you're trying to actually achieve what do you want what you know is it a position that i want is it a salary range that i want and if i think about the salary range that i want have i done research on finding out is this a reasonable salary uh, for this you know for this position or for for what it is that i'm doing so it's doing all of that preparation work and then you're going to feel confident going in and just being like no this is the salary that i want because you know that it's not an unreasonable thing to be asking because that's you know industry standard this is what you know, if if you're a, a woman, this is what your your male counterparts or, or white male counterparts are making in this role. So why wouldn't you ask for that? Right. And and to be able to, to clearly make that like that demand. So that comes into the preparation. Then you talk about, you know, your your intention, which you know kind of overlaps with that a bit, but it is understanding like what you want to get out of that, right? It's it is what do you want to see? What is what if you engage in this discussion or this opportunity or go after this role, what's your intended outcome? What, what is the thing that you're gonna be, you're gonna feel that success was for you? What does success look like for you? And you match that with the preparation, you'll have something that is, is realistic and you also understand that, you know, each increment that you are making toward, you know, like that ultimate goal is is going to be a positive step in the right direction and that's something that you need and then lastly I say awareness because I want you, you know I want people to be aware of like one read the room be aware of where everybody else is in that conversation as well right mm-hmm. see if they are ready or if they understand where you're coming from understand and also like be aware of yourself be aware of the energy that you have be aware of you know what things are making you feel certain kinds of ways be aware like know when you've uh when you've reached your limit when you need to kind of recharge Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: when you need to walk away and like be aware of knowing like is this the fight that i'm wanting to fight right now or do i need to kind of go away and then come back right and i think especially for you know like for your audience as you talk about um self-care this is super important, especially for people that are kind of, you know, breaking new ground and are talking about things that are, uh, you know, previously kind of like unexplored in certain, you know, areas, Mm -hmm. you got to budget your energy, right? Mm -hmm. And you only need to spend it in the places where it makes sense to spend. You you don't necessarily want to engage in every conversation because the recipient of that conversation might not even be somebody that can do you any good. (laughs)
0: exactly and 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 along those same same lines just to to backtrack a bit yes I totally agree that it's definitely not just on the individual to enact change it has to come from the government corporate structure level but when I was referring to you know like self love and and worthiness that is the the foundation for people to first think that they are a deserving and they believe that they can ask for this stuff so it starts with that core belief that they're deserving and and valuable absolutely even go to the table to then enact which I love you said you know being prepared having your attention having your awareness but I think sometimes what stops us from enacting those you know three pillars is that lack of knowing that I deserve to negotiate on my own behalf knowing that I'm in a position of power to leverage my skill set, my knowledge, you know, everything I have, you know, to ask for that promotion or to go there that, that, that the terms are negotiable. You know, some people don't even, it doesn't even occur to them that they, that, that they're not going to negotiate their fee. Yeah. That belief in themselves. Yeah. I love the three pillars that you said. And exactly about, you know, where are you putting that energy and getting that, that core belief in your inherent deservingness to then enact being prepared, having your attention and having the awareness. I love that.
1: And I'll tack on one, one quick thing is is a lot of times when people lack that, that awareness or that, that, um, that belief in themselves, going through the process of getting prepared can Mm. often
0: strengthen that. I love that.
1: It can often strengthen that, right? It's when you start doing, you know, kind of like your research and you get more information and you get more you know, uh, kind of like understanding of how things work mm-hmm. and what industry you're in and, and who at the, at the right level of people that you're, t- it starts to put into context and into, you know, uh, perspective what, where you are in the process and, and what you do know. And then you can actually know the areas that you don't know. And then you can focus on kind of like improving upon those areas. And when you do that, you become more and more aware of, like, wait, I can do this.
0: Mm-hmm. Wait,
1: you know, and you get rid of that imposter syndrome of, like,
0: yes, oh, yeah. I don't,
1: you know, like, yes. it's just like, wait, no, I see that everybody that's doing this either has like the same level of experience or education as me or less.
0: Or less, exactly. That, exactly. That'll. Exactly. that'll
1: get you into the, de- the deserving space pretty quickly
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> you start to see that. that will light the fire it is exactly what you said you know knowledge is power and knowledge also has the power to empower so yeah. when you get that preparation once you get that knowledge then you are then you feel empowered to stand up and say hey let's talk about you know my raise let's talk about my bonuses let's talk about my compensation package you know let's talk about x y and z or da 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 and i think um Another key thing to do when negotiating or, you know, just going into any type of setting like that is also ask for specific benchmarks. So like say, yeah. you go to your, you know, your boss or your higher up and you're like, Hey, I'm making XK a year. You know, I believe, and I know that I deserve YK a year because I'm prepared with da, 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 this is my intention. You know, you go through everything we talked about. Say you get some pushback, then have a backup plan. Don't fold. Say, okay, well then what are my specific benchmarks that I need to achieve in order to get X, Y, and Z. So go in there and, and then ask for that. So then when you come back in three months, six months, whatever the case may be, you can then go say, Hey, I did check, check, check. Where's my money? So <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> that's just what's going on.
1: And yeah. I have certainly done that in my career.
0: Yes. And that and that's just the way, and that's just the way to do it. And I think um I, I absolutely love your pillars and if you got everyone listening I hope you're taking notes because that those are some gems right there so let's get to it so let's talk about the dark side of of diversity Ooh. I know that's one of your topics I would love to hear you know your perspective on that and and maybe some what are, what are the pitfalls of all of this
1: okay so so it's it's interesting and, and it's a little it's a little bit of, a, of, of like clickbait, but it actually <laughs> isn't <also>. uh, <laughs> It actually isn't to, to a certain extent, yeah. because I think it's important to understand some of the unspoken challenges, mm-hmm. to understand why like barriers still kind of exist in, in certain spaces, right? So just because I know that you hear a lot of like, if you're if you pay attention to this kind of, of, of discourse at all when people are talking about, oh, there's a competitive advantage of diversity. There's, you know, equity and, 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 and inclusion, but mostly like of, of diversity. But sometimes it actually can be harder to get up and running during the initial stages. And that's the thing that a lot of times people kind of like try to breeze past. But as soon as people start to experience that, they kind of pull back. And so I think it's important not to brace past it, right? I think it's important to not try to to rush to good, Mm -hmm. try to skip steps. There are steps that are going to be challenging, right? And just because, like, because if you've got a bunch of people that have a variety of different Um, backgrounds and experiences and things like that just all in a space but you haven't done the work to make sure that every everything is is interwoven and everything is considered and all of that it can be you know uh, tough it can be a struggle you can have more conflict you can have all of those types of things because there's additional work to be done and it's not just Oh, throw everybody together and it's like yay you know everything works (laughs) now
0: exactly it's like it's like when you bring two blended families together you have to do the work to make to create a new culture exactly Um, and i think um i think you're spot on and i think another dark side of diversity why that happens is because The leadership, like the true decision makers, the true executives kind of look at it as, oh, that's a HR issue. That Mm -hmm. is um, a ticking a box issue. That is um, a PR issue. Right. Say, oh, we hired X, Y, and Z. Oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're so diverse. But the leadership mindset and perspective experience and understanding hasn't hasn't made a fundamental shift.
1: It, it, exactly when at
0: the top doesn't actually change and you're just ticking off boxes of course you're going to have conflict because everything starts at the head mm-hmm. so i think you know talking about you know like diversity and inclusion especially at corporate workplaces or workplaces in general actually anywhere in general yeah really has to be an overall understanding like i've talked to with like black Lives matters and i've been going i've talked to some of my um um, white friends. And a lot of them are like, they were like, wow, like we didn't even realize like races that like the, yeah, we knew racism exists, but we didn't understand it was still to this level. They sort of lived in this bubble because until it truly affects you or until you actually witness it on a soul level, some people just don't get it. It's not that yeah. they are racist. It's not that they're mean. It's not that they're anything. They just don't have the, the, the knowledge and that actual, like, visceral experience of it. Yeah. And I think that um, the leadership really needs to understand not just the value of of having a diverse workplace monetarily. Yes, that's a gain. It's a business. You, you, we're all there, essentially, to make money in some way, shape, or form, but also the value of diversity on a cultural level and on just a person-to-person level. And then once they understand that, like, oh, they're they're bringing these ideas, they're bringing these experiences, they're bringing these perspectives. Like, look what happened with with Pepsi and Kendall Jenner. That was completely toned up. I don't think anyone offend anyone, but nobody at the table who had the power to make an actual decision had any type of true experience of what that what they were saying and doing so they yeah. were showing diversity and inclusion but they weren't telling it and feeling it so and, and that's such also,
1: a great example yeah it, it really is
0: it, and, it, and, it's, and it's again no one has any ill intention they're just they are just ignorant to to the actual reper, repercussions of what they're saying and the message that they're putting out there which is why having people who are either a at the decision level actually have that lived experience or having a workplace culture where people who have that lived experience feel empowered to speak up and say, hey, I don't think this is actually going to go over well. But a lot of times people who have that that lived experience don't feel empowered to speak up. They don't feel empowered to push back. So they just go along with it to go along with it. So it really has to start at that leadership level and the second dark side of um, diversity, which I would love your um, opinion on, is one thing that I know I've personally had to struggle with, and some of my other um, Black and, and Indian friends and uh, my other um, friends like that is internalized racism. Because mm-hmm. I know when I moved to LA, and you would go to all these different like events and parties, I would be like one or two of the Black Brown girls there. Mm-hmm. And instead of us coming together and being like, oh, like who was your invite here? Like, let's do this, let's do that. We all had that internalized racism where we felt we have to be the one. We have to be the one chosen. We have to be the one getting the campaign. We have to be the one that gets the invites. So instead of looking to each other as collaborators and community, Mm -hmm. we automatically look at each other as competition. And that goes back to like tokenism. Like there's only room for one of us. There's only room for one of us at the table. There's only room for one of us. And I really had to look at my own internal life because I didn't realize I was doing it. Clearly, it's subconscious and really switch that around. And then when I got vulnerable enough to talk to my other friends about it, like one of my Friends, he is a a very well-established Indian comedian and and host. He's done shows and all that. He's he's fabulous, and he was actually shooting a pilot for um, his upcoming uh, TV show. And I was one of the guests on it, and we were talking about um, Kamala Harris and how she's half Indian and half Black and all that stuff. And we're talking about that, and I brought up, I was like, well, you know, there is a lot of internalized racism, and when I was honest about my experience, he was like, you know what, me too like I always wanted to be like the Indian comic I wanted to be the Indian on the lineup you know because you felt like that was like your way to be different and then you also wanted to be the only one so with that do you have any tips on how people can can sort of acknowledge and then heal from their own internalized racism
1: yes and wow that, that I mean that's that is, there's so much to undo there, right? <laughs> I
0: know, that's, like, that's a whole other episode. That's,
1: like a, that's a whole uh,
0: episode, part two with Jimmy.
1: Right, I would like, I'm gonna have to come back and we can really kind of like unpack some of those things. But, you know, I I, I do think that it, it, it highlights something that's so important Um, and it is, you know, that we don't get out of it unscathed either. Mm-hmm. So just because you belong to like a historically you know underrepresented or marginalized group exactly. doesn't mean that you know everything about the impacts that you know that kind of like the systemic racism that exists in our education and our you know infrastructures and all of that um has had and i think a lot of times people are always like you know oh let me ask let let, let me ask a, a black person or let me ask an <laughs> indian person or let me ask an Asian person. so what's it like for you well they don't always know <laughs> like I'm just speaking from my own experience. That's the
0: what? whole thing. We're not monolithic. It's We're not monolithic. Not monolithic at all.
1: Nor has everybody done the study to understand why they feel what they feel.
0: Thank you.
1: Right? And it's I like, no, i sorry I mean, to over, over overlap here. Oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just it's just like people don't always know why they feel what they feel. Sometimes you just feel frustration. Sometimes you just feel, you know, kind of like, oh, I don't know. Some, I feel like uneasy in 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 this scenario, but you might not know why. Right. So there's there's a lot of that that I pe- think that people first need to understand that like the same education everybody else went through, you went through too. So the way that other people see you, a lot of it you've learned how to see yourself in that way also. Like, unless it, you've had an environment that has been intentional about, you know, keeping you from believing that messaging, then more than likely you've adopted some of those, those thoughts and ideas and principles yourself. And you may not always know that they're there and you may not always know how to call them out or how to identify them. But, but a lot of times, you know, to a certain extent, we feel them. And sometimes we feel them out of out of you know self preservation. Sometimes we feel them out of you know uh, you know wanting to succeed and a variety of other uh, you know reasons for why like when they kind of like come up. And I think a lot of times in the in the competitive space, when you see that everything else has kind of like your your the value of what you bring to the table hasn't always been seen. The one thing that you know that you might get recognition or identified for is that that one characteristic about like your identity. That sometimes seeing somebody else come in that that shares that same thing can become a threat, right? It can feel like uh, a challenge. It can feel like ah man, like I I've been fighting so long to just start to get recognized and and seen and noticed for what I have, and it's like. Now they have that too, and it's, you know, so it can, your, your initial survival impulse can very much feed into that. But like the reality is, is that there's room for all of us, right? There's room for others, you know, to be, to be great and to exist and to do the things that they do. I always talk about like the difference between like confidence and, and, um, and, and cockiness, mm-hmm. you know, or arrogance uh, is that confidence believes that others can be great too. Mm -hmm. right so and and I think we need to kind of like take that into these spaces where we're like what they have and like you said earlier it's like two candles make make a brighter light right it's like they're not taking away from you so there should be no reason to you know to to be afraid of that and a lot of times when you do band together it you actually create more room you create you know more opportunity you can even you know become uh leaders in in the space and like trailblazers and and things like that but when you when you try to reserve your power just for yourself it 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 also disappears with you like when when you're gone and that's not you know that's not that's the opposite of, of of really what we want but i do think that it is a valid experience for people to be like um, you know, a little bit thrown thrown off by, by somebody whose claim to fame is the same as yours. But I think we have to realize that that's actually what's happening and that that's part of the construct that has been created for you. And you're just, and you're kind of responding to it. And so you can either go along with it or you can make a conscious uh, effort to break that.
0: Absolutely. And I think, um, I think it also boils down to like everything you're saying from your mindset. Do you come from a scarcity mindset or do you come from an abundant mindset? Scarcity Correct. mindset says there's only enough success for, for a limited amount. There's only room for one person who looks like me. You know, I have to, I have to hold on to my seat and can't let anybody else come in. You know, that's scarcity mindset there's only a limited resource, there's only a limited position, there's only a limited amount versus that abundant mindset, which is like success overflows and there's enough, there's enough success for everyone, you know? And it's that abundant mindset, like we all can win and we can all win together. And also rooted in that abundant mindset is knowing that your net worth is connected to your network.
1: So uh, yes.
0: why would you ever... I mean, if you are both at there, then clearly you both are bringing something to that event. You're bringing something to that room. You're bringing something to the table. So again, it goes from scarcity mindset. Oh, that person is my competition because there's only room for one winner versus your abundant mindset, which is that person is my collaborator. That person is now a part of my community. That person is now a part of my network. And as my network expands, so does my abundance. And so does my bottom line. So I think, um, it's really getting that switching from that scarcity mindset. There's only room for one. So that abundant mindset, we all, you know, one tide raises all the boats or whatever the analogy is, or it's like, you can all come up together. Mm -hmm. And, um, And it's also doing the hard work of really looking at yourself because it is hard to say, Hey, you know why what, 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 why, do I not go to that person? Why do I feel like, wh- wh- where did I feel that from? And a lot of that is working on who told you that there was only room for one person who looked like you, you know, who told you, you know, you couldn't be friends with that person, or there was only space, you know, who told you that? Where did you get that belief from? Because it's all about yeah. belief systems, you know, when you really think about that, like who told you, you weren't good enough, who told you you weren't, whatever it was enough, who told you this, this, and this, like, who told you that, and getting down to those, like, really pivotal experiences, and, and moments, and realizing, you know what, maybe this belief I have about myself really isn't even my own belief, it's just something I heard and chose to believe.
1: 100%, it's like, and, and don't be afraid to address that trauma.
0: Exactly.
1: Because that's, because that's
0: what that is. (laughs) It's trauma, and you're holding it, and, and you're holding it, because usually at some point, either that coping, mechanism kept you safe but now it's sabotaging yep and so you really have to look at that and and get be okay with working through your own stuff because usually again it goes back to usually people aren't that ill intent they're not really thinking like oh I'm gonna walk into work and be biased today like you know what I mean
1: yeah, they're, they're literally operating out of their own ignorance.
0: Exactly. They're operating out of their own ignorance. And then I th- and then when you look at yourself and you're like, well, well, in what areas am I operating out of my own ignorance? And then when you get to that place of where are my blind spots, then you're able to have those experiences with people who are operating out of their own ignorance and show up in a different way. 100%. And react in a different way. And then therefore, when you change then your experience changes because you'll never actually be able to change anybody else. You're not going to be able to like talk anybody into believing the way you believe. But when you change your belief system, when you change how you show up, when you change how you react, when you go from ignorant to, you know, awareness, when you go from scarcity to abundant, then you empower yourself to change your own experience. And I think that's, what's really powerful.
1: It it really is. And it's like you change your own experience, but you also end up changing others as well.
0: A hundred percent. That's what we were talking about earlier. So for you guys listening, we had this really cute moment where uh, I was saying how um, going through different things and he was saying, uh, we don't, he like cringed or something. I was like, we don't cringe, we celebrate. So it's like that. It's like when you celebrate yourself, when you change yourself, when you take ownership of the energy you bring to the table into any situation, you inherently change the other person's experience of you. Mm-hmm. And then therefore you change that person too.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yes. Yes. And it's all about just when you give yourself permission to be free and by free, I just mean loving yourself without apology. You give other people that same permission because when you truly are free, you know that you're valuable, you're worthy, you got it, you are enough. You're going to walk into that room and the energy that you bring to that room is different. You know, the conversation goes differently. Like I, I was talking to, I forgot who I was talking to. I was, maybe I was on a panel or something and they were asking about, this was a couple of years ago. And um, I think it was a panel on um, like monetizing your, your content on, online and getting like brand sponsorships. And a lot of the people were like, well, you know, I'm kind of too scared to email like the big brands. And like, I'm kind of too scared to do that, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, what are you scared of? I was just like, literally, it's an email. And remember, you're emailing a person. You're not emailing a building. You're not yes. emailing a logo. You're not emailing some infinite entity out there. You're emailing the PR manager, you know, <laughs> like you're yeah. emailing the brand, you're emailing a person. So when you kind of take away that big scariness and you realize that everything truly boils down to relationships, you're just creating a relationship with another person. And you always want to start your relationships from a place of value, not a place of need. From a place of, hi, I'm X, Y, and Z. I do this, this, and this. I would love to partner with you. would love to support you and add value to you. Because if if it's a true partnership in anything, each person is bringing something to the table that the other person needs or wants, rather than coming from a space of neediness. And I was just like, I really believe that if you write your email and you believe that you are needy desperate asking begging feeling less than and little and low that's how your email will be received
1: absolutely <laughs> I, I i would i agree with that 100 and yes. it kind of extended that into you know in, into the corporate space you know like as well because I, I think there's a big thing that happens there where you actually shift the balance of power mm-hmm. uh, when you come yeah. from that place of value as opposed to you know to need and you and you always want, you know, to, to to trigger that collaborative mindset in the person, as opposed to uh, giving up something, right? That that mindset of having to 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 solve your need, you know, because then it's like, oh, I now have to give up something to to satisfy what this person is asking for, yeah. right? But then when you talk about it in the corporate space of like, you know, the you're talking to a person. Mm-hmm. I know that people tend to like to speak about organizations as though it's like, you know, these decrees are coming from on high and, and it's like-
0: Not <laughs> decrees.
1: Right, right, because there's just like, oh, these things like the company, the company is doing this or the company is doing that. I get that from a lot of like employees that are just like, well, the company would never do, and then it's like, who's the company? <laughs> it's like, it's a bunch of humans Trying to make decisions with, like, the best decisions that they can with the information that they have.
0: Exactly. And also, you're the company. You're the company. (laughs) You're You're also (laughs) the company. (laughs) You're also the
1: company. (laughs) Exactly. And our job in those spaces is like, yeah, well, then let's give them the information that that they need. And, And in that, they'll be equipped to make a decision based off of that.
0: Exactly. And it, you know what, this actually reminds me of, um, I forget his name, but it's the, the founder or the CEO of PayPal. And, you know, his whole vision for PayPal was, you know, making like, you know, banking money exchange, making money easier, more accessible for people, like making sure people get paid on time and all this stuff and blah, 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 blah. So he had this great vision for it. And he had done this survey for his employees you know, just asking about like where they were with like their finances. Do they ever feel like emotionally or um, financially insecure? Like things like that. Like how is that working? And he was saying how he thought, oh, of course it's going to be like five-star reviews and everybody's going to be doing great. And it's going to be, you know, sunshine and rainbows because I created this amazing company. And then when he actually got the real data, the real feedback, and he was seeing how his own employees were struggling they were struggling financially they were struggling emotionally they were struggling mentally and it totally blew his mind because again he was operating out of his own ignorance and he was mm-hmm. operating out of his own um not fantasy but just you know his own like oh I it's on his own experience Yes, yeah. his own experience and then when he got checked you know that reality check when it was like wait a minute if the ethos of my company is to make sure that you know, my users feel financially secure and they can get their money on time, but yet my employees don't feel that. There's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. So then he implemented um, different programs for his employees, like if they needed extra money or if they needed to negotiate their salaries or if they just, you know, whatever issues that they were personally facing, you know, the company, the company <laughs> had, um, you know, programs and resources in place. And when he did that for his employees, productivity went up, um, you know, uh, the, the morale went up, you know, turnover went down, people stayed, you had more, uh, employee retention, but he had to go through that process of saying, maybe my experience isn't the shared experience. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it's about with when the leadership understands what is the actual shared experience of my employees and my clients and my consumers and my customers versus what is the silo that I experience thing, experience everything through. That's really like the game changer. And, and, and luckily, you know, he was a man of integrity. So when he realized that he put the everything in place to help as employees not all founders are like that all were. um but they're not but but that just you speaking just um ignited that that memory for me because i found that to be really powerful um is what is the actual experience that that people yeah are
1: having. i agree like 100
0: yeah. yeah well this <sighs> This has been great, Jimmy.
1: Uh, thank. I I feel the same way. I'm like, there's there's so much.
0: There is so much. More. I'm gonna have to have you back for part two.
1: Happy to come.
0: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> now, as we were saying, consider me a part of your network. Consider me a part of your community, and consider me a resource. So I'm and the same
1: for you, Candy.
0: Yes, and I I can't wait to have you back. So, do you have any parting words? And everyone listening, I will have all of Jimmy's info in the show notes, but. I always want to give people a chance to just tell everyone where can they find you, any last words, and just to say thank you for, for spending this time with us. Oh,
1: thank you. I, I, I would say as far as like last words are concerned, it is, you know, give yourself grace to know mm-hmm. that it's a, you're like a work in progress and that everything that you're doing is a work in progress, right? So I, I tend to measure success by incremental or consistent incremental forward movement, right? It's not, you know, a lot of these things aren't going to change overnight. Uh, nor they, they, do they really have to. I mean, there's some some things that are more extreme that you do, but other things, the vast majority of things fall into the space of just being like, okay, I'm making forward movement step by step and want to make sure that I give myself the grace to kind of let that happen. And sometimes that's all that I need to do.
0: Mm. Yes.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and like I think those are those those are my parting words. But as far as just like finding me, probably the, the easiest thing is Instagram, Jimmy underscore Vaughn, J I M I like Hendrix, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and Vaughn you no know, second A. Um, but yeah, I I really appreciated this time, and I thought it was a, a wonderful conversation, and would be happy to to come back and discuss you know at any time.
0: Great. Yes. I'm going to hold you to that. It was great. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. And thank you so much for joining me and Jimmy today. Don't forget to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And send me that screenshot of your review. And I'm going to send you a really cool and fun free self-care gift. And until next time, my lovelies, be well.